Section thirty nine of Common Sense in the Household. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Marianne Spiegel. Common Sense in the Household A Manual of Practical Housewifery by Marianne Harland. Section thirty nine. Servants. Some years ago, more than I care to count over, I read a lively little book entitled The Greatest Plague of Life. I have forgotten who wrote it, if I ever knew. It was in the form of an autobiography. The heroine called herself, with an amusing affection of disguise, Mrs. S.K.N.S.T.N., and it was illustrated by George Cruikshank. I read it aloud in my home circle, and many a hearty laugh we had over the poor lady's perplexities and calamities. Regarding the history as a clever burlesque, I suffered no appreciable draught upon my sympathies until time and experience brought me in contact with so many who echoed her plaint that I could not but recur now and then with a half-sad smile to her sufferings under the rule of Nora, who chased her upstairs with a carving-knife, with Mary, who drank up the cherry brandy, filled the bottle with cold weak tea, and kept her pitying employers up all night to pull her through an epileptic fit, with John, who never answered the parlour-bell, unless they pursued, whose stomach could not bear cold meat at dinner, but rallied bravely under a couple of pounds at supper. There was one nursery-maid who whipped Mrs. S.K.N.S.T.N.'s child, and another who upset the perambulator in the park, and, too much absorbed in a suit of whiskered guardsmen to notice what had happened, went on dragging the carriage upon its side until the baby's cheek was cruelly scarified by the gravel, besides a host of other unworthies set for the distress of Mrs. S.K.N. S.T.N.'s mind, body, and estate. Douglas Gerald wrote that book, interrupts a friend at my elbow, and, apropos de bot, have you seen Punch's recent article, Servant Gallism, or What Shall Be Done with the Missuses? The malady in America must bear another name, remarks a lady gaily. We have no servants, at least in this region, my cook is forty-seven years old, and my chambermaid a widow, who has buried two children, yet they would be highly affronted were I to speak of them except as girls. It is a generic term that belongs to the class who live out, from sixteen up to sixty. I had a lesson on this head not a month since. My laundress, who has lived with me six years, was thanking me for a service I had done her brother. "'I'll never forget you for it, mem,' she sobbed. "'I'll bless you for it, on my knees, night and morning.' "'I am glad I have been able to help your friends, Katie,' I said. "'You have been a faithful servant to me.' She cut my sentence in the middle by walking out of the room, I suppose, to conceal her emotions. I was undeceived, five minutes later, when her angry tones reached me from the kitchen, the door of which she had left open. "'I'll never believe a person has a good heart, or deserves to be called a Christian, who names an honest, respectable girl, who tries to do her duty, a servant.' "'A faithful servant,' says she." as if she was a queen, and myself a beggar. "'What did you say to the ungrateful wretch?' asks a listener, indignantly. "'Nothing. I went quietly out of hearing, reminded for the hundredth time of Solomon's warning. Take no heed unto all words that are spoken, lest thou hear thy servant curse thee. I recalled, too, the saying of a mightier than the royal preacher, "'Whosoever will be greatest among you, let him be your servant.' I thought you were one of the favoured few who had no trouble with them, says another housekeeper, sighingly. There is real comfort, 
excuse me my dear mrs sterling but it is refreshing to a wearied soul to know that you have felt some of our tribulations it seems to me at times that there is no other affliction worthy the name when compared with what we endure from the necessary evil i have tried all sorts the representatives from every nation under heaven i verily believe and they are all alike they will wear me into an untimely grave yet i wouldn't let them my dear martha replies mrs sterling with her sunny smile if evils they are surely minor afflictions and after all i imagine they are a good deal like the rest of man and womankind pretty much as you choose to take them the truth is there is no justice in wholesale denunciation of any class you recollect the western orator's truism human nature mr president nine cases out of ten is human nature when i consider the influences under which a majority of our servants have been reared ignorance poverty superstition often evil example in their homes my wonder is not at the worthlessness of some but that so many are virtuous honest and orderly you will allow that as a general thing they are quite as industrious as their mistresses and control their tempers almost as well and we make so many mistakes in our dealings with them my old friend does not often lecture but she has something to say now and forgets herself in her subject we err so grievously in our management that a sense of our failures should teach us charity do we understand ourselves what is the proper place of a hired help in our families if it is the disposition of mrs shoddy to trample upon them as soulless machines mrs kindly to make a sort of elder daughter of her maid indulges consults and confides in her and wonders by and by to find herself under abigail's thumb her husband and children subject to the caprices of a pampered menial i never heard a lady say of a valued domestic i could not get along without her without anticipating as a certainty the hour when she shall announce there is such a thing as keeping a servant too long the crisis comes then to mrs kindly in a moment of desperation she frees her neck from the yoke abigail packs her six trunks having entered mrs kindly's service seven years before with all her worldly all done up in a newspaper shakes the dust off the neat balmoral boots which have replaced her brogans against the heartless tyrant who sits crying in her own room upstairs over thoughts of how abigail has been so clean quick and devoted to her interests how she has nursed her through a long and dangerous illness and had the charge of emma and bobby from their birth she has prepared a handsome present for her in memory of all this and is hurt more than by anything else when she learns that the girl has taken her final departure without even kissing the baby it is not strange that the deceived mistress should from that day write down abigail as a monster of ingratitude and forget the faithful service of years in the smart of a wounded feeling when the truth is that she did the maid more injury by injudicious petting than the latter could do her mistress had she absconded with all the plate in the house she has as might have been expected proved abigail's unfitness to be her confidant and co-adviser but at the same time she has filled her brain with notions of her superiority to her fellow-servants her heart with burnings for the higher station she can never occupy i speak freely upon this subject continues mrs sterling with a laugh for i was once led into this very mistake myself by the attractive qualities of a young woman who lived with me nine years as seamstress and chambermaid she was so even-tempered so sensible industrious and respectful that she gained upon the esteem of us all one day while we sat together at work i told her of some family changes in prospect prefacing the communication by the remark i want to speak to you of something eliza which you must not mention to any one else at present the interests of an employer and servant should be the same 
then very foolishly i opened up my mind freely on the subject that engaged it she answered modestly but intelligently entering into my plans with such cordial interest and pledges of cooperation that i went to prepare for a walk feeling really strengthened and cheered by the talk at the front door i was met by a letter requiring an immediate reply returning to my chamber to lay off my hat and shawl i heard eliza talking loudly and gleefully in the adjoining sewing-room with the cook whom she must have called upstairs through the speaking-tube you cannot imagine nor i describe my sensations at listening against my will to an exaggerated account of the interview which had just taken place not only my language but my tones were mimicked with great gusto and much laughter by my late confidant the phrase the interests of the employer and the servant should be the same occurring again and again and forming apparently the cream of the joke i was very angry but for the rule adopted early in my married life never to reprove a servant when out of humour i should instantly have ordered the treacherous creature as i named her from the house i sat down instead to cool off and to think with reflection common sense rallied to my aid the girl does well enough in her place which is that of a hired chambermaid and seamstress said this monitor she knew her position and would have kept it but for your folly in dragging her up to temporary equality with yourself you made yourself ridiculous and she was shrewd enough to see it take the lesson to heart write it out in full for future guidance and keep your own counsel eliza never suspected my discovery she remained with me until her marriage a year afterward and we parted on good terms i have quoted from my friend at length because i honor her excellent judgment and mature experience and because i agree so fully with her touching the evil of so-called confidential servants the principle of acknowledged favoritism is ruinous to domestic comfort let who may be the object thus distinguished rely on it my dear lady at least one-third of home wrangles and social scandal arises from this cause be assured also that if you do not perceive the impropriety of lowering yourself to the level of your subordinates they will engage their behavior accordingly the connection is an unnatural one and like all others of the kind must terminate disastrously in time then the discarded favorite aggrieved and exasperated leaves your house to tattle in the ears of some other indiscreet mistress of your sayings and doings show your servant that you respect yourself and her too truly to forget what is due to both be kind pleasant always reasonable and attentive to her needs willing to hearken to and meet any lawful request make her comfortable and so far as you can happy excuse one more quotation from mrs sterling whom when i was much younger than i am now i consulted with regard to the just medium between familiarity and austerity remember they are human beings and treat them as such she said not that you are likely to reap a large reward in their gratitude but because it is right and because you find no exceptions to the practice of the golden rule laid down in the bible be faithful in your obedience to the law of kindness with the return tide you have nothing to do this is a safe and straight path i believe it would be also the smoothest you will be better and more cheerfully served than your neighbor who recognizing in every hireling a natural enemy is always on the defensive i have found the most serious obstacle to a comfortable pursuance of her safe path to lie in this same prejudice rooted by centuries of misunderstandings and caste wars the belief of necessary antagonism between employers and employed mrs sterling's eliza only expressed the prevailing sentiment of her class when she ridiculed her mistress's proposition that their interests ought to be identical i failed so often and so signally in the endeavour to impress the merits of this policy upon domestics that i rarely attempt it now 
there is always a suspicion more or less apparent that you have a single eye to self-interest in all your regulations and counsels what does she hope to gain what am i in danger of losing are the queries that invariably present themselves to the subordinate's mind the arguments by which your plans are supported are thrown away upon ignorant and illogical listeners your array of facts totally disbelieved your auditor does not say this but in diverse and ingenious ways she contrives to let you know that she is not so silly as to be imposed upon by the specious array of evidence for how much of this are mistresses responsible has this creed of distrust been learned by experience of injustice or exaction or is it one of the popular prejudices which are harder to overthrow than sound and well-established principle of one thing i am certain mistresses and maids would more speedily come to a right understanding of oneness of interest but for the influence exerted over the former by mrs jones mrs robinson and mrs brown who don't allow this and couldn't think of that and never heard of the other privilege or immunity being granted to servants before they would yield such a point or submit to one syllable of dictation they would do all their own work etc etc poor mrs pliable listening dumbly and meekly goes home with a low-spirited sense of her own pusillanimity upon her and tries to assert her authority and redeem past faults by a sudden tightening of the reins that results in a runaway and general smash-up cannot we remember you and i my dear reader that we may sometimes be as nearly right as those who talk more loudly and strongly than we upon domestic economy laying down rules we never thought of suggesting splitting into ninths a hair our short-sighted eyes cannot make out when whole and annihilating our timid objections with a lordly i always do so which is equal to a decree of infallibility can we not make up our minds once and for all to be a law unto ourselves in all matters pertaining to our households mrs jones's rules may be good for her mrs robinson's better than any other in her particular case and mrs brown's best of all for one of her peculiar circumstances yet any one or all of them be unsuitable for our use avoid talking about your domestic affairs with people whose gossip on these topics is incessant you are angry when a whiff of some such discussion as enlightened mrs sterling with regard to her mistake is wafted to you through the dumb waiter or register an accident that will occur while the tones of the plaintiffs are loud and untrained by education or policy it is mean and unkind traitorous in fact you say for them to so misrepresent and revile you after all the kindness you have showed to them too bridget chloe or gretchen passing the parlor door and catching the sound of her name as roughly handled may have her own sensations and draw her own inferences being human like yourself it is tiresome and vulgar this everlasting exchange of experiences about my girl and your girl and everybody else's girl it is time sensible women ceased in this respect to imitate the fashion of the class they censure and put down the bootless tattle with a strong will order your household then so far aright as you can by the help of common sense and grace from on high and let madames jones robinson and brown look to the ways of their own and expend their surplus energies upon their neighbors concerns counting you out i believe that is slang but let it stand these worthy and fussy housewives act upon the supposition that all girls are cast in the same mould being human do not let us forget that the probability is that there are varieties of the species but if the mistresses are led by their associates the girls acquaintances sway her yet more powerfully 
every conscientious well-meaning housewife knows what a break is this informal but terrible union upon her endeavors to improve and really benefit those under her direction i have been amazed and disgusted at the tyranny exercised by this irresponsible body over the best servants i have ever seen we would be hooted at ma'am if we didn't give in to them said one when i represented how senseless and almost suicidal was the course recommended by these evil advisers there's not a girl in the town would speak to us if we didn't join with the rest it's like a strike you see awful upon them as holds back do not then my discouraged fellow-laborer imagine that i am ignorant of your trials your doubts your disheartening experiences if i disagree with mrs s k n s t n and do not pronounce our servants to be the greatest plague of life inclining rather to the belief that always allowing for human nature and the drawbacks i have enumerated good mistresses are apt to make good servants it is in consequence of long and careful study and observation of the practical workings of mrs sterling's rule like begets like pleasant words are more likely to be answered by pleasant than are tart or hasty ones if you would have your servants respectful to you be respectful to them the best way to teach them politeness is by example it should not cost you an effort to say thank you or if you please the habit exerts an unconscious refining influence upon them and you dignify instead of degrading your ladyhood by being pitiful and courteous to all if you can only maintain your position by haughtiness and chilling disregard of the feelings of inferiors your rank is false or you unfit to hold it to begin then be mistress of yourself amid all your temptations to angry or sarcastic speech and how many and how strong these are you and i know curb yourself with the recollection that it is despicable no less than useless to say cutting things to one who has no right to retort upon you in kind ma says miss aurelia in miss sedgwick's admirable story live and let live how can you let your help be so saucy to you mr julius who was standing by took a different view of the matter if ma doesn't want her help to be saucy to her he said she hadn't ought to be saucy to them teach your children the like forms of kindly speech and habits of consideration for the comfort and happiness of your domestics checking with equal promptness undue freedom and the arrogance of station it is as graceful to bend as it is mean to grovel learn not to see everything and so soon as you can put far from you the delusive hope that anybody else unless it be dear old john will ever serve you as well as you would serve yourself this failure is attributable to some of the nine-tenths we spoke of just now she is a prudent housekeeper who can wink at trifling blemishes without effort or parade there is one text which has come into my troubled mind hundreds of times on such occasions calming perturbation into solemnity and bringing i hope charity with humility if thou lord shouldst mark iniquities o lord who should stand but if your hold of the rein be gentle let it also be firm never forget that the house is yours and that you not hirelings are responsible for the disposition of the stores purchased with john's money i was much amused the other day said an easy-tempered lady to me at a talk that passed under my window between my new cook and one of her visitors and how are you getting along asked the guest oh pretty wellish now was the reply i was afeard when i first come that she would bother me a trottin down into the kitchen so constant but i give her a hint as how that wasn't the trick of a rail lady and she's kept out nicely since then you got to stand up for your own rights in this world or you'll be trod upon now 
it would be throwing away words to reason with a woman like that cook or a mistress might show that in no other department of labor would such a principle be tolerated that from the secretary of state down to the scavenger who empties your ashpan every employee who draws wages has an overlooker to whom he is accountable for the manner in which his work is done and his money earned and that the fact that she is an ignorant high-tempered woman is no just cause of exemption yet in how many families is this point tacitly yielded and the mistress admitted upon sufferance to her own kitchen the room furnished with her money and in which she hardly dare touch or look at the articles intended for the consumption of her own family one often hears such remarks as it isn't every girl who will stand having the mistress popping in and out while she is at work when in any other situation the very fact of this unwillingness to have the owner of the materials used in that work present would be a strong presumptive proof of negligence or dishonesty the principle is pernicious from beginning to end and should not be tolerated for an instant it gives me pleasure to state here that i know nothing personally of this curious reversal of the rights of employer and domestic i am inclined to believe if one half i hear of other housewives trials be true that i have been highly favored among american women my authority in the kitchen as in other parts of the household has never been disputed in my hearing or presence that is i have always met with a cheerful reception below stairs when i appeared there to direct or share the labors of my cooks i found them willing to undertake new dishes and ready to learn my way however unlike it may be to their own as a rule also to which the exceptions have been few and very far between those employed by me have been cleanly industrious kind-hearted and respectful patient under inconveniences and attentive in sickness i should not therefore do my duty did i not lift my voice in a plea for charitable judgment just and generous treatment of a class which however faulty have much to do and to endure mrs skinflint's grocer's account may be less than yours if you adopt this policy mrs sharp's coal cellar be better dusted and the paint in her attic scrubbed oftener but i believe in the long run you will be the most comfortable in body as in conscience your machinery will move with fewer jerks and less friction your servants will remain with you longer and be better tempered while they stay if you show that you appreciate the fact of a common humanity that you owe them the duties you are resolved to fulfil during their sojourn under your roof however mercenary may be their performance of those devolving upon them finally dear sister do not add to the real miseries of life by regarding the annoyance of a careless slothful or impertinent domestic as a real trouble class it with petty vexations which are yet curable as well as endurable and live above it a noble beneficent existence in the love of your fellow-creatures and the fear of god a life that cannot suffer perceptible disturbance from such a contemptible rootlet of bitterness as this it is only the feeble the inefficient or the indolent mistress whose peace of mind is dependent upon such casualties as a breeze a hurricane or a sudden vacancy in the department of the interior recollect when the infliction is sharpest that briar pricks are disagreeable but never serious unless the blood be very impure End of section thirty nine